Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. If you have your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to two passages of Scripture. First one, they're going to be really easy. It's going to be Luke chapter 9. It's going to be Luke chapter 9. Put a marker there. And then flip backwards to Luke chapter 3. Luke 9, Luke 3. I know we've been doing uh, some some financial declarations too. Um, we're going to do that again next week because I really feel like the Lord said it's not the message, but I feel like the Lord said um, the amount that you begin to take ownership for the revelation that you've already received about how much God wants to prosper you in all things. You have to take responsibility for revelation. Otherwise, it wasn't just revelation. It was a cool spiritual experience. But it would be like taking a rock, dumping it in water, and saying that it actually transformed from the inside out because it got wet. Revelation is not just so we can have a cool experience where we're thrust into the mind of God and we're pulled out and the exterior of us has some sort of, of encounter with him. The revelation encounters with God are meant to penetrate to the very deepest core of what you are so it changes you on a molecular level. Physically, it changes you on a molecular level. Mind, will, and emotions, it changes you on a psychological, emotional level. Spiritually, you've already been transformed because your spirit is born again. If you're born again, say I am. So you've already been transformed in the spirit as much as you'll ever be transformed because the moment you were born again, the completed work of Christ came upon you. What needs revelation is your soul and your body to come into alignment with the revelation of who you are in him as it is in heaven. Does that make sense? And so what we need to begin to do is take ownership of the revelation that we've had, begin to turn it into prayers, begin to turn it into declarations, begin to actually steward it like it's precious gold, begin to talk about it with our family, begin to say, this is a language, this is what God is doing, so that you have an ownership level in your heart, in your body in such a way that when you go into the earth, you're ready. Now, what was it that Pastor Jay said? What was it that Bill Johnson said? No, no. I've had an encounter with the Lord that so revolutionized the way that I think that actually here's what the Lord says. In every moment, in every circumstance, you know what's going to transform what's going on in Israel right now? The revelation of Jesus. Hamas needs a revelation of Jesus. The Jews need a revelation of Jesus. The kids on the college campus that are protesting the, 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 the ignorance is not bliss. I'm going to tell you right now. They're protesting. What do they need? A revelation of Jesus. The Democrats need a revelation of Jesus. The Republicans need a revelation of Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like the whole world needs a revelation of who he is. And the only way sometimes they're going to get that revelation is you've had the revelation. You've allowed it to transform you. It begins to radiate off of your face. It begins to radiate the robes of righteousness that you walk in. So when you walk into the room, they're going, who are you? You're encountering Jesus. Does that make you God? Of course not. But you're made in his image, and you're sons and daughters of the Most High, which means you carry a legal and regal authority to bring as it is in heaven here on the earth. 
We're called to prosper. And so these financial declarations that we do on an ongoing basis are not meant to be, hey, I need, where's that genie bottle? Let me, I need some more money in my bank account. Let me rub on that. And Lord Jesus, you're going to prosper me and there's going to be more jobs. Okay, where are they at? That's not what it is at all. These declarations should come, I am prospering in the Lord. He has called me to be one who produces wealth. He has called me to be one who's a leader. He has called me to be one who's influenced. That's who he's made me to be. And because that's who he is, I'm going to declare it, Lord God. Until I see it manifest on the earth, I'm going to make this declaration. Not wishful thinking. Not prideful arrogance that says, I need this. And he said, ask for anything in his name, so I'm going to give it a shot. No, no, no. I'm actually coming into alignment with how he thinks. So it's natural, supernaturally natural for me to say, this is the will of God. Any area of your life where you're wrestling against the supernatural will of God, for you, you say, yeah, he can prosper somebody else, but he doesn't want to prosper me. That would be prideful and arrogant on my part. You're already prideful and arrogant. Why? Because you're resisting the will of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? It is God's will. Now, do you go through tough seasons? Yes. Is there moments where your bank account's not going to be what you think it should be? Yes, of course. But you must come like Paul, where Paul had this radical encounter with Jesus. He says, I've learned to abound. Let me hear you say abound. You know what abounding is? It's not a word we necessarily use all the time. It's prospering. It's exploding out with potential. The potential that's within a nuclear bomb, when it goes off, abounds with the energy that was trapped within. The promises of God have the potential to explode and to expand in you and through you and around you. You're called to abound. Paul says, I've learned to abound, whether I have little or I have much. I've learned what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Which means this, the strength of the Lord is always abounding. It means the truth of the Lord is always, always, always abounding and exploding with potential, waiting for you to get it on your tongue, in your heart. It says the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what are you speaking What are you declaring? What's in your heart that needs to be transformed so that it just, I can't help but be squeezed and Jesus comes out? Say, how do we prosper? When this series called Prosper in All Things Like Jesus, and today I want to talk to you about how do you prosper in prayer like Jesus prospered in prayer. And this is going to be less about techniques and all those things. This is about the encounter. This is about what happens whenever you get into the presence. So we're just going to look at real quick here, Luke chapter 3, verse 21. I'm going to expand on a little bit, and then we're going to jump over to Luke chapter 9. And we're going to look at verses 21 and 22 in this. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. And while he was praying, let me hear you say, while he was praying. Heaven was opened. It was rendered open. Verse 22. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was the manifestation of the Word made flesh. It's important that as is in heaven, manifests into the earth. What I love about what Luke does this, is says it wasn't just some aberration. 
that they saw the Holy Spirit coming down. There was a bodily form. There was a physical presence of the Holy Spirit coming to touch him. Why? Because the Lord so wants to transform the earth to look like there that he will become bodily form in order to be able to change the natural realm. The supernatural realm wants to invade the natural realm so that the natural realm is supernatural all the time. We should have these encounters, which goes this. When we do the baptisms in a few weeks, there should be some sort of manifestation. Now, what should that manifestation be? I'm not going to tell you because that, that's stupid. We get into programming it, and here's how he's going to act now, and here's how he's going to act now. No, no, no. But there should be some sort of manifestation that when you've gone under the water and you've come back, you've been radically changed. We've seen it happen so many times with people that are being baptized, and they come out, and immediately the Spirit of God falls upon them. And they just begin to shake, they begin to speak in new tongues, they just begin to, life changes, changes in a moment, it's transformation, it's metamorphosized in a moment. This is what happens, so the Holy Spirit coming into this. What's interesting about this word for prayer, I, pr- I, I practiced it before I got down here, now I'm going to struggle with it, because I, I haven't thought about it. It's prosukomai, uh, prosukomai, the Greek word for praying. This is what it literally means, hear this. To interact with the Lord by switching human wishes, ideas, and thoughts for His as He imparts faith in the encounter, which is divine persuasion. Let me read it again to you. What is it? The Greek word for praying. While Jesus is exchanging, interacting with His Father in prayer, what ends up happening is is Jesus' human thoughts his human emotions, his human interaction gets exchanged with the Father so as the Father is, begins to come on top of him. People ask, well, why did Jesus only do what he saw the Father doing? Because he prayed a lot. He interacted with the Lord. Let me read it one more time. Literally means to interact with the Lord by switching human wishes, ideas, and thoughts for the Lord's as the Lord imparts faith through his divine persuasion. See, the point of prayer is to know the Father, not to persuade the Father. I'm going to say that again. The point of prayer is not to persuade the Father, but to know the Father. And how do you know the Father? In such a way that you become like the Father. You don't just know about Him. Everything about you, your ideas, your thoughts, your belief systems... Is actually exchange in this divine exchange to the mind of God coming onto the mind of you. But what happens in prayer, well, I think sometimes why we get this level of frustration is, is we feel like we have to go in the prayer closet and strong arm God to convince him to do something on our behalf. And there are biblical stories that enter in and show and kind of give us this idea. Moses began to contend with the Lord, hey, don't destroy Israel. I know they just did something stupid. I know I spent 40 days on the mountain. You brought down the law. You rescued them from Egypt. And they turned around and took that gold that Egypt gave them and made a golden calf and started to worship. But don't. He contended with them. And it says, and the Lord relented. Does that mean the Lord changed his mind? No. The Lord is just and merciful always, all at the same time. You can't separate his justice from his mercy. You can't separate his mercy from his justice. Right? In fact... We're so worried about the wrath of God. The wrath of God is real. But if you don't have the wrath of God, you don't actually have real justice. But his wrath is always completely just, and it's always completely merciful. 
in that regard. You see Abraham. God says, hey, I'm going to go tell my, Abra- my friend Abraham that I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. What does Abraham do? He begins to contend with the Lord. He's trying to persuade the Lord. Hey, don't destroy them because it would be contrary to your character. And what's the Lord say? Okay, if you can find righteous people in there, then I will not destroy the righteous. I won't. A handful of righteous would have been enough to actually save Sodom and Gomorrah. But the Lord knew already the hearts of men, and he knew in his mercy it would actually be unmerciful for him to allow that mess to continue on. And from an Old Testament before Jesus' construct, he actually brings destruction. But he allowed Abraham to come and try to contend with the Lord. But at the end of the day, here's the thing. After Abraham contended with him, even in that place he goes, but I know you're good. You don't read it in the story, but he basically has the same heart posture that Jesus has. Not my will, but your will be done. Why? Because prayer is about knowing him, not persuading him to actually act on your behalf or to act on behalf of the world. Here's what happens in prayer. When you interact and you begin to know his heart, you'll know what to pray. It will change the way that you pray. Bill Johnson, in fact, if you've been going through some of the, uh, the uh, encounter um, kingdom um, empowerment groups, um, we have a, st- I think in that, we maybe, maybe I changed it, but there's a message from Bill Johnson's talking about prayer. And he says this, if you've got 10 minutes to pray, spend nine minutes and 50 seconds worshiping. And interesting, you got 10 minutes to pray. Worship for 9 minutes and 50 seconds. Why? Because you'll accomplish more in 10 seconds than you could have done in the entirety of that 10. Why? Because you'll come into an encounter with who he is in such a way that in that 10 seconds, very few words will actually accomplish much. Because you now know the heart of the Father. Lord, I now know how to pray for my loved one. I now know how to pray for Israel. I know now how to pray for this person. Right? I now know what to do with my job, or I now know what this decision, am I supposed to do this or this? In that moment, you come. Why? Because you begin to encounter the Lord. Switching, let me read this again. Interacting with the Lord by switching human wishes, your human wishes, ideas, and thoughts for his, as he imparts faith, divine persuasion. So look in this. In the exchange is this. You give him what is humanly possible, and on the flip side of it, he gives you, what's he giving you? Faith. He's imparting faith. Faith makes the supernatural possible. It says it's impossible to please God without faith, and God gives you faith. In fact, he gives you an exact measure of faith. You can't have faith unless he's given you faith. All you're doing is you have to be responsible with what he puts into your hand, and you begin to steward the very faith he's given you. It wasn't even your faith until he gave it to you to steward. It's his faith. And so as you're in this place, Lord, my thoughts, my will, my emotions, Lord, I'm just giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. It's like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's like, God, if we could just really find a better plan than me dying on a cross and being whipped to death. Like, if we could find anything else, but not my will, but true will be done. And then on the flip side of it says this, and then the angels ministered to him. What is that? God imparting the grace that was necessary for what he was going to ask him to do. If Jesus hadn't prayed, he would not have had the emotional, mental, physical energy to die on the cross. He had the desire, but he would not have had the capacity. Jesus was fully human. He's a perfect example for us. He did everything, and I mean everything, 
by the will of the Father and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Where did he get that? In prayer. So why do you need to pray tonight? Because you're gonna, there's something that needs to take place. Right? We need to shift our mindset. I've been, I've been thinking about calling some prayer meetings in the region because this, all the craziness that's going on, our borders open, is there, is there potential for terrorists in our ranks, all this different stuff. I'm like, what do we need to do? And he's like, you just need to get to this place where you pray for my will to be done. Recenter it, and it will transform something. Look what it says in the Passion Translation of that same Luke 3, 21 and 22. One day, Jesus came to be baptized along with all the others. And as he was consumed with the spirit of prayer, the heavenly realm ripped open above him, and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in the form of a dove and landed on him. Then God's audible voice was heard, saying, My son, you are my beloved one. Through you, I am fulfilled. I'm fulfilled. So as we look at this, look at this verse 29 again. It says, while he was praying, what happened while he was praying? Actually, that's Luke chapter 9. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. What was happening while he was praying? There's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that responds to the heart on the earth. Now, flip over to Luke chapter 9. This is the transfiguration. If you're new to Christianity, transfiguration, literally the... It's the Greek word means metamorphosis, transform. It's the way that a caterpillar goes into a cocoon is transfigured, transformed into a butterfly. So let's pick up in verse 8, Luke chapter 9, verse 8, if you're there, say I am. It says, about eight days after saying these things, he took along Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Let me hear you say, went up on the mountain. How many times do we see through Scripture? I preached it last week that Jesus, before, after John's beheaded, what did he do? He went on the mountain to pray. He multiplies the fish and the loaves, and then what does he do? He goes on the mountain to pray. It was a regular habit. This is the way that, this is the key to prospering in everything that you need to prosper in, I promise you, right here. So look what it says. What's that? 28? Yeah. What did I say? 28. Hear what I'm reading and not what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. About eight days, eight days after these sayings, he took along Peter, James, and John, went up on the mountain to pray. Verse 29. While he was praying, the appearance of his face. Let me hear you say the appearance of his face. This is really important. There's a manifestation. The appearance of his face became different, and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah, who appearing in glory were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep, but when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who were standing with him. And as these two men were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we're here. Let's make three tabernacles for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah, not realizing what he was saying. But while he was saying this, a cloud formed and began to overshadow them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came from the cloud and said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. Stop right there. The voice spoke and Jesus was found alone. We're going to unpack that in a second. So when we're looking at verse 28 again, went up to the mountain to pray. This is that same Greek word we just talked about. 
Was he going up there? I need to have an exchange with my father. I need to interact with my father so the junk I've been carrying can actually be exchanged with him so that I fully know the will, the mind of my father in all things. Because there's going to be, and look what the manifestation is. While he's praying, the heavens are rendered open again. It's the same thing that happens at his baptism. This isn't just like a tear in the sky. What this is, is heaven wants to invade earth. That's the ongoing deal. When Jesus was baptized and the heavens were open, the heavens did not close back up again. And sometimes we sing these songs, open up the heavens. Well, they're already open. The question is, what's your level of awareness of just how open heaven already is to you? When Jesus came, he opened heaven and never closed heaven. You're not trying to get to a place that's closed up and knocking on the door. When it says in Revelations, behold, I stand at the door knocking, he's not talking about I'm in heaven and I'm trying to knock on the earth's door to get into the earth. He's talking about your heart. He's talking about your awareness. How aware are you that Jesus is fully present in this same place? Jesus had to become fully aware of how close his father was, so much so that, was, that Elijah and Moses show up. It was a thin place. It steps right into this. Let me tell you this. You're called, your life, your thoughts are meant to be a thin place. Thin places aren't supposed to be about a physical location on the earth. Thin places are supposed to be about your interaction in, in relationship with the Lord. It's so thin, there's actually nothing, there's no barrier whatsoever. At any moment, you go into the Spirit. At any moment, you go into praise. In any moment, you go into surrender to Him. This is the thin place that we're called to do. Jesus was a walking thin place. How many times did He go up on the mountain and pray? And, we, and here's the thing. What's interesting is we never hear it reported anywhere else in Scripture. Why? Because there was no witnesses. All they knew is that he went away. I would propose to you that this, every time Jesus got alone to pray, he had some sort of encounter like this. Because he was such a thin place, the Lord meets him where he's at. He's having this interaction. Hey, Jesus, here's what you're going to do. Here's, the, here's my will. Here's what's going to happen. Okay, I'm strengthened now. Yeah, let's go back. Now I can get back in the game. Let's go feed some people. Let's go heal some blind eyes. Let's go raise some dead people. Like, I think that was this place where Jesus is going, I'm re-centered, I'm resetting the Lord, because I've spent time in the thin place with my Father. The heavenly realm is opened up. While he's praying, verse 29, let me hear you say while. That word is again, he's transformed. His appearance changes. Here's what you need to know is this. The outward appearance is not what's important to God until it is. The outward appearance is not important to God until it is. When you get in this place of prayer, what was happening? Who Jesus was on the inside began to permeate to the exterior. Because he was filled with what? The Spirit of God. He was filled, he, the Holy Spirit didn't just descend and sit on his head and walk around. He had a dove on his head. No, it filled him. When he, was, when he was sewed into Mary's body, it says this, that, that she was filled with the Spirit because she was filled with Jesus who was filled with the Spirit. There was this infilling that took place. And so literally what it is, who Jesus is in heaven began to manifest onto the planet. It, how many people were, were Lord of the Rings fans, right? Remember, remember when Gandalf comes, remember, Tolkien writes the book as a Christian allegory, Right? And so you got Gandalf who dies. He sacrifices his life for his friends. He fights with the demon. He wins. He comes back. And when he comes back, he's not Gandalf the Great. He's Gandalf the White. 
right? There's this level of authority. In the same way, we're covered up by the grayness of the world. But when we get into the prayer closet, when we get into the presence of the Lord, the grayness begins to fade and what begins to extend out from us, who we are in heaven. It wasn't just his face changed. His clothes began to beam bright. Last week, I taught you about the wheat and the tares. And remember what it says. And in the end, when the angels harvest out the tares out of it, it says, then the wheat will shine brightly. That word shine brightly says, as if you were looking at the sun. The one you behold is the one that you're going to shine like. See, this is about encountering the Father. You want to encounter Jesus? Encounter the Father. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so look what he's doing here. Communion with the Father manifested as it is in heaven onto the earth. The Spirit within him pushing outward. We should have an exterior condition that shows the time of what we spent with Jesus. Jesus teaches, who lights a lamp and puts a bushel on it? What do you do? You light the lamp so the whole world can actually see what's taking place. This is that moment. See, this is pre-resurrection. He had to go to the cross. He had to deal with the exterior grayness. What is gray a type and shadow of? Death. Illness. Have you ever seen somebody who's near death? They'll, they'll say they have the appearance of being gray. Their skin's like it's gray. So Jesus in this place, all of a sudden you begin to see the manifestation of the light. After he's resurrected, how many times do they have encounters with Jesus? They don't, re- they don't recognize him. Because now he doesn't have to put the old back on. He dealt with the old. They had to come into, they knew Jesus no longer according to the flesh that had to put on sin. They now knew him, Jesus in the flesh who had to put on glory. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for you? If you're born again, say I am. Why are you wearing the gray clothes? Why? Well, I went through this difficulty. I had a loved one die. I've got an injury. I've got a surgery coming up. I've, there's politics going on. I'm watching the horror of babies being killed by Hamas. So like it's, it's just impacting me. Why? Why? What it should do is it should move you to a place of compassion, not fear. It should move you to a place of compassion, not sorrow that's so built up like, I don't know the weight of the world. No, what do you do? You get into the presence of the Lord and say, as it is in heaven, who I am in heaven, let that be manifest here and now. Let me interact with my Father so all this crap that I'm dealing with, all of a sudden I'm giving it to him, and what does he do? He goes, here you go. Here's who I am, and that's who you are. We have to come into this interaction. This is the way Jesus was able to go through everything that he did. Look what it says in verse 32. Now Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep, but they were suddenly fully awake. That, that Greek word, is, it says they were startled awake, right? They were starting to be slumber. Where else do we read about this? We read about this in the Garden of Gethsemane. So two things are happening. One, this is probably nighttime. They've probably been on the mountain for a minute, and they're just physically tired, right? So we got to give them some slack. If you ever tried to do an all-night prayer watch, at some point you're getting tired, okay? But I want to push it one step f- further this. What ends up happening when you get consumed with the weight of the world? You become what? Weary. And what do you need to become? Woke. The world began to have a counterfeit wokeness, but all the stuff we've seen in the last really five years. 
Why? Because it's beginning to be shaken out the point where a real wokeness can be demonstrated. And suddenly, like, they're, like, they're falling asleep. There's weight, weary, everything we've been doing. We've been walking with Jesus this long time. It's tiring. And all of a sudden, boom, heaven's invaded this moment. And they're startled away going, whoa. I see, where's that song? I can see clearly now the rain is gone. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's the point. All of a sudden, they, they're awoken. They have a revelation of the one that they're on the mountain with. And who's the one on the mountain with? His father. All of a sudden they have this encounter. And they're going, there's Moses. There's Elijah. There's something different about being in this place. Jesus says this, if you're weary, come to me. Everyone who's weary. You got a heavy burden? Come to me. I'm going to give you what? I'm going to give you rest. And we think this is what it means. (sighs) Finally, I get to lay this thing down. I get the rest of the moment so I can put it back on again. No, 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 no. Enter into the prayer closet. Enter into the mountain of transfiguration. So when he takes that weight off of you, what are you carrying? Your face begins to shine. Moses, in an old covenant, his face shone because he spent time in the glory of the Lord. Look what it says. Again, they're in the glory. This is a glory cloud. Where was that? Verse 30. Two men were talking with him, and they were Moses and Elijah, who appearing in glory. Appearing, what does that mean? They came from as is in heaven, who they are now in heaven, which means they weren't like they were on the earth. They didn't carry the burdens of the earth. They didn't carry that. They're fully transformed. They appear, glory appears. And all I'm telling you is this. You're going to have to wrestle with this this flesh, because one day this stuff's going to die. It has to die. That's going to be the last death. It's got to go. But until that moment, the Spirit of God gives life to your mortal body, and we need to stop living from an earth to heaven mentality. We need to get back to the place of, as it is in heaven, it impacts my mind, my will, and my emotions. As I'm grounded here on the earth, it begins to change and transform my physical body. Because it's coming into alignment with the glory of God. You were born for the glory. You were meant to be carriers of the glory. When you carry the weight of the world, the glory of the Lord is actually can actually manifest. Not that it's not powerful and capable, but the Lord honors your choice. What are you going to choose to manifest? Jesus, he chose to manifest his relationship with his Father. And he has this encounter. The issues of life, the cures of the world, they can make you weary and tired. Get into the presence, pray. Suddenly you wake up to the reality that heaven is all around you. There's no weariness, there's no fear, there's no strife. We must operate from spirit, soul, and body. You're a spirit before you're a physical body. Now do this. Can you feel your flesh? Your physical body having a spiritual experience sometimes in religion. Because it's the physical trying to get to this place. But when you become born again, you're a spiritual being that has a physical experience. Jesus, God is spirit. He had a physical experience and a physical manifestation. Still to this day, he physically has a physical body. But it was manifest in the earth to transform the earth. The Holy Spirit descending at his baptism in bodily form. Let me say bodily form. The spirit manifesting a spiritual being have a physical experience. This is who you are. And the way that you will attune yourself to who you really are is by getting into the prayer closet and going, God, 
I'm not here to persuade you. I'm not here to persuade you to show up. I'm not here to persuade you to provide for me. I'm not here to persuade you to take care of this issue. I'm not here to persuade you to stop what's going on in Israel. I'm here to know you. I'm here to be transformed by you. So that as I know you, I can be your voice on the earth that now declares as is in heaven into the earth. It will change your life. Have you ever been in this moment? It says this. The scripture says the spirit is always within you and it's groaning with words that you can't even comprehend. It's groaning what you ought to pray. What is that? That's not just the Holy Spirit. That's your born-again spirit in union with the Holy Spirit in heaven. And that, that spirit inside of you is groaning. Get me out. Get me out. Get me out. Spirit, soul, and body. And it's got to break through the body. It's got to break through your soul. And you get to do in this moment. No, spirit, soul, body. I want you to stand up with me. I'm telling you that If you press into this revelation, you might be going, I was looking for some big, deep, meaty thing. No, 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 no. That's the flesh wanting something to sink your teeth into. You need to sink your spirit into what he's already doing. Press into this revelation. Have you been struggling? Is there anybody in the room? I want you to be able to do this. There's no fear. No shame. Have you been struggling this week with something? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of weary stuff out there. And what I'm telling you is the key to this is get into the prayer closet. Get into his presence. Go to the Mount of Transfiguration where you say, I'm here to interact to you, with you so I can give you what's weighted me down. Jesus, I'm going to take you at your word today. You said if I'm weary, I could come to you and yoke up with you. That's what I'm doing today. So go ahead and close your eyes. Just ask this question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me and what do you want to do today? Jesus, we're in this place where we don't need a revelation of what we're to do. We're not in this place even to tell you what to do. But we're in this place so that we might be transformed by you. In this place of prayer, as we interact with you, we exchange, we give away our thoughts, our beliefs, our ideas, our wishes and our desires. We just give it to you and say, would you reveal yourself to us? I, know, I, I see it in the spirit right now. There's this, this that, that there's a, 
There's a weightiness that's not the bad weightiness. There's a weightiness of glory that's been hovering all morning. You might be going, I've barely been walking with Jesus. I don't even know what you're talking about. Just open your heart and say, Jesus, I surrender all. I surrender all to you. Everything about me. There he is. Come, Holy Spirit. Let the weightiness of glory bury the weightiness of the world. I just declare peace in the room right now. Lord, I impart encounters with you on the mountaintop. Breakthrough. Eyes to see. Ears to hear. A heart to comprehend the plans that you have for us. I just declare from this moment on, Lord, we are going to be choose to be people of presence and prayer. And Lord, we're not going to leave the place of prayer in your presence until the weighty things of the world have actually been exchanged with you. You might be asking, how long do I stay in the prayer closet? Until you're more consumed with him than you are your issue. So just come. Just come. To those in the room right now that you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never given your life fully to him. What I just talked about is not possible for you until you become born again. But Jesus makes it available to you. It says, if you confess with your mouth that he is your Lord and you believe in your heart that the Spirit rose him from the grave, you will be saved. And when you're saved, you're transformed. And when you're transformed, you're brand new. And the Spirit that rose you from the grave will be the Spirit that actually fills you, empowers you, opens your mind to understand things. So if that's you right now, just receive that now. Say, I receive Jesus. I receive his lordship. I receive his salvation. I receive his mind. I receive his emotions. I receive his will. And I commit to following that all the days of my life. And I just say, come Holy Spirit, fill them now. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We just declare this right now in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people say, amen. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Come on. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.